Well, good morning. Um, if this is your first Sunday with us or your first Sunday in the last five, uh, my name is Mike Tuttle, and I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. And if you are joining us online, thanks for joining us there. Uh, and if it's for everyone, if, uh, if you're not, I hope you will join us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you'll pick up all kinds of information there as well. And I just want to say that I hope, like Sandy and I have, uh, that you have had time this summer or are about to have some time maybe where you get to get away for a little bit and relax and, and just have a great time. Now, some of you know uh, by now that when we got home from our trip, that uh, a few days after we arrived back, I began to experience some blurriness in my vision. Uh, thankfully, I was able, uh, the same day I called, to get in uh, to see my optometrist, and I fully expected, I really thought I was going to go in, they're going to give me a couple of eye drops, and I would be back out and, and at it, and, uh, and I was very wrong, by the way, about that. Uh, my doctor that day was able to get me into a retinal specialist. During that appointment, they dis determined that I had a detached retina, so they scheduled a vitrectomy. I practiced a lot to say that word, so I hope you appreciate that. Uh, for the next day, where they repaired three tears in my retina, as well as they put a gas bubble in my eye to uh, keep the retina in place to help it heal. Uh, I tell you that because I want you to understand it all plays into how this plays into what we're talking about this morning. So a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago, we started a series called Your Part Matters. Uh, and on your handout, if, even if you don't fill out blanks, if you would just grab this guy right here that you were handed when you came in, if you'll grab this, I'd like you to fill in the top three blanks. Even if you never fill out anything ever in your life anywhere, uh, if you would, I'd like you to fill these out because I want to make sure you have these when you go home today. But we believe, as a church, we believe that Jesus offers an invitation to everyone to follow him. So no matter what we've done, because we all have a past, right? Jesus offers all of us, all of our friends, all of the people that we like, all of the people we're not really crazy about, right? He offers everyone this invitation to follow him. But we have a part in that, and I want to make sure you get this as well. I have to decide to accept his invitation. That's, that's up to me to decide whether I accept this invitation to follow him. So he's offered all of us this invitation, but we have to decide whether we're going to, and we make that decision. By the way, if you've ever wondered about this, we make that decision by committing our lives to Jesus through our baptism. And many of us in this room have already made that decision, and if you haven't, and you've been wondering about it, we'd love to help you with that. We'll talk about that later, but our part, I want to make sure you get this, that's not the only decision we make. Our decision is not a one-off kind of thing. We also have to decide uh, if we are going to do what helps. I have to decide if I'm going to do what helps me grow in my faith or not. I will either decide to grow or not because some people, it seems that they decide to become a Christian and they decide that they're going to go to church you know, for the most part, and, and, they, and they have a Bible, but it would probably be very fair to say that they don't really read it very often. It might be fair to say that they pray, but typically it's at mealtime, and that's about it. And maybe, you know, uh, and, 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 and they wonder 
why they're the same person the next year and five years later and ten years later with the same struggles they've always had. And they don't seem to be any more like Jesus or any closer to him than when they started. And it may have been decades ago. And they may be wondering if being a Christian makes any difference in your life at all. And maybe, maybe today that's you. Growing our faith doesn't happen overnight, nor does it happen on its own. So for the last four weeks, we've been talking about the top four habits that we do, right, that helps transform our faith and transform us into the person that God intended for us to be. So what do you do that has the greatest impact on your growth, uh, the growth of your faith? Because your part does matter. So we've talked about reading and reflecting on Scripture far and away. Number one, nothing's even close to that. Reading your Bible, reflecting on what it says, doing what it says, the number one thing, catalyst that propels your growth, uh, the growth of your faith. Serving others, attending and being engaged in worship, being in community with other followers of Jesus, all of those are the top, right, they're, the top they're in the top five. There's one more. So we haven't done these necessarily in order of their importance, but we, I want to make sure you caught all of these. One more. This one's not going to surprise you. Adam already let the cat out of the bag, right? But just deciding to spend time with God in prayer grows my faith. Andrew Murray said this. His quote is on your notes. None of us graduates from the school of prayer. And I want to make sure that everybody got that because regardless of how long you've been praying, your prayer life will continue to change. Uh, as you grow closer to him. In Luke 11, Jesus tells a story uh, about prayer, and we're going to see what it is about our prayer that reminds us that our part matters in our faith journey. So Luke 11 is where we are. That's on the Bible app already if you've got that open. If you, don't have, if you have your Bible with you, open that to Luke 11. Uh, let's check these out. These verses will also be on the screen. Ready? Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have any food to offer him. And suppose the one inside, your friend, your neighbor answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, if you've got those verses in front of you, the first five words tell you that we're in the middle of something. Something else is happening. So go all the way to the top of chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, Jesus' followers, to be clear, had been brought up in Jewish homes. They had been prayed every day from the time that they were children. But when they saw Jesus praying, when they heard him, they realized there was something about the way he communicated with God that they wanted to be true of them as well. And by the way, John the Baptist taught his followers how to pray. Would you teach us how to pray as well? And notice, notice, doesn't say teach us what to pray. In other words, this isn't a prayer that was meant to be recited. Rather, tell us what to pray or how to pray, right? So this is a, uh, a, a pattern to follow. And then do you see the model prayer? 
verse 2 that follows. He said, when you pray, say this. So let's pray this together, all right? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, which, does that sound foreign to anybody? The more familiar version of this prayer is in Matthew 6. Maybe that's the one you're most familiar with. But he shared with his disciples this prayer, and then he told them a parable, the verses that I just read. This is, that's, what, that's what preceded this story that he's telling them, which tells us why our part matters when it comes to prayer and our faith. So the first is this. This could actually be the next step in your faith if you want to grow. My part matters because when I pray, I remind myself that I never don't need God. That's what you're saying every time you pray. I never don't need God. It's verses 5 and 6, by the way. That Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine uh, on a journey has come and I have no food to offer him. Now, let's say I show up at your place unexpectedly at midnight. What would you do? Call the police, maybe. Uh... (laughs) Maybe all I would hear is the word sickum and that would be it. You know, I don't know. You maybe would at least ask me, what in the world? What in the world are you doing here? And if I told you I was hungry, right, you'd wrap a dollar bill around a rock and throw it at me and say, go buy yourself, mix something, you know. Uh, but in that day, it was a different picture. Hospitality was this sacred duty. You didn't just set you know, something in front uh, of a guest. They had to be overwhelmed with hospitality. And in the villages, they baked their bread in their homes every day because if you made too much and left it overnight, it would become stale. Nobody would eat it. The late arrival of this traveler gave this householder an embarrassing situation. The bread box is empty, and he could not fulfill the sacred obligation because it was sacred before God, could not fulfill the sacred obligation of hospitality. So he goes knocking on his neighbor's house. And just to make sure we don't miss this point, because this is the point of Jesus' story, why is he at his neighbor's house? Not a trick question. Why is this guy going to his neighbor's house? Right, his friend has come. He doesn't have anything to give him. He couldn't take care of his friend. Every time we go knocking in prayer, we are telling God, I need your help. That's what it's about. So when in a 28-hour period, (laughs) I went from, I'm doing a few more projects around our house to laying in pre-op, and someone is saying to me, Mr. Tuttle, I'm going to give you something that's going to make you a little more comfortable. By the way, I'm a total lightweight. I don't know how many people in here are lightweights when it comes to that stuff, but I don't even think, you know, she finished the word comfortable and I was asleep already. Uh, (laughs) Sandy said I woke up just a little bit after that and asked her if we were done already. They hadn't even started. Um, But uh, so in 28 hours, projects at home to surgery to laying on my left side for a week. And if this this procedure isn't done in time, you could lose sight in that eye. I'm just telling you, I went straight to God. It scared me. I not only went to God, I asked everybody I knew who prayed that I could get in touch with because I wasn't allowed to look at things anymore. But I'm trying to communicate with everyone as wide as I can. Please pray about this. 
I have a picture. I just had a picture sent to me from our missionaries in India. My name is on the board, their prayer board in the college. The college students, the mission we support in India has been praying for me for the last couple of weeks. But listen, it's not just with problems, although they definitely get our attention, right? In the parentheses, would you write guidance and confession? Would you write those two words? When I pray, I remind myself I never don't need God every single day of my life. In Psalm 25, we read this, show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So when we begin the day, God, help me with what I know is on my schedule. Help, help me with, with what I know is there, and help me with what pops up unexpectedly today. Help me to use those to honor you. And if you're going to have a difficult conversation with someone that day, God, please help me to do this in a way that honors you and helps them. If something pops up and you need insight during the day, God, please help me understand this. Or when we blow it, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Do you know what happens when you ask God to forgive you? End of the New Testament, 1 John if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Because as a follower of Jesus, I need to make sure that I remember every day, I never don't need him. I always need God. Here's another. My part matters in prayer because when I pray, I remind, I remind God that I love him. So somebody, in talking about this story, Jesus told, said the needy man and his neighbor would have to be good friends <laughs> to talk to each other the way they did. Uh, if we want prayer to be a continuous power in our lives, it's imperative that we develop and maintain a friendship with God through Jesus. On your notes, Richard Foster said this, real prayer comes not from gritting your teeth, but from falling in love. Prayer says to God, I love you. And it's interesting, in this prayer that Jesus uh, is modeling for his followers. He begins with a simple address of Abba, which is the Aramaic uh, address of a child to his parent. It's a Papa type of address. On your notes again, this quote, prayer is so simple, it's like quietly opening a door and slipping into the very presence of God. And so the question I would have for you is, is that what, it's like? Is that what prayer is like for you? You're, you're slipping into the presence of someone that you love. And you know loves you. Maybe let me ask it this way. How do you develop a great friendship? Or how do you, let me, how did you develop the relationship you have with your spouse? Or someone you hope will become your spouse? Or a really good friend? Listen, it's not that you're not together with groups of people, because certainly you are, but where is your friendship best developed? Isn't your friendship best developed when you're with that other person one-on-one? -on -one? Because the same thing is true with God. So if you would, in the parentheses at the end of that, would you write the word solitude? It's just a reminder. Mark 135, in this chapter, Jesus had a day filled with teaching and healing the sick and casting out demons. But look at what it says about his very next day. Mark 135 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a what? solitary place where he prayed. 
Why did he do that? Do you think he couldn't talk to God in the middle of all those people healing them? Do you think he couldn't? Do you think he didn't? <laughs> of course he spoke with God while he was healing and casting out demons and doing miracles. He could, but friendship is developed one-on-one. -on -one. Someone wrote this. It's on your notes as well. Abraham did not know for sure where he was going, but he knew for sure with whom he was going. And we have to as well, whether it's into the operating room or, or into a job interview or just a day-to-day -day journey with God. This next one may surprise you, but when I pray, I'm reminded that prayer can be frustrating. And I'm going to stop for a moment because for someone in here, I'm wondering if even just talking about prayer is agitating you. It's making you a little bit mad because you've, you've been frustrated. Please, I'm just going to ask you to keep listening, especially to this, because this could be part of your next step in your faith journey. Ready? Verse 7. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. Let me say this. This parable is not about comparing God to the neighbor. It's a contrast to the neighbor. Jesus is making a point by contrasting the neighbor and God. Look at verse 13, which follows, right? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? However, prayer can be frustrating because God doesn't answer what we want, when we want, how we want it. Now, Eric Church, country music singer, so for those who are real Christians here and listen to country music, uh, he sings this song, Beer don't keep, love's not cheap, and trucks don't wreck themselves. Mama ain't a saint, or shrink, excuse me, daddy ain't a bank, and God ain't a wishing well. Now, I don't know about this one from personal experience, but I understand it's true. Uh, I do know about these, and theologically, that for sure is true, although we treat him like that. Look at what the chorus says. Some of it you learn the hard way. Some of it you read on a page. Some of it comes from heartbreak. Most of it just comes with age. But none of it, none of it comes easy. In this story that Jesus tells, the neighbor's request was initially denied. And I, you know, there are times when prayer seems unproductive. Interestingly, the Bible tells stories about that. Abraham pleaded for Sodom uh, and Gomorrah to be spared, but they weren't. Moses asked God for permission to go into the promised land, but he never did. David prayed for his child to recover, but his son died. Paul prayed for this thorn in the flesh. We don't even know what it was, but he prayed for it to be removed. It wasn't. And even in the garden, Jesus prayed and had his request denied. Jesus shows us that sometimes prayer can be frustrating. But even when we learn that while God loves us, he is God. And prayer reminds us that because God is God, we bend to his will. He does not bend to ours. So, right into the next one. When I pray, God wants me to be persistent. So it's midnight. Verse 7, don't bother me. The door's locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give anything. Does that sound weird to anybody else? I mean, I just think it, 21st century American ears, that doesn't even make sense. But in the east, in the morning, the door to the house would be open, and it would stay open all day, and you could come and go as you pleased while the door was open. But when the door was shut, that was a sign. Don't bother us anymore today. We're, we're not, you know, we're done with everybody outside of the door. And in poorer Palestinian homes, they it was one room with only one window, and the floor would have been nothing more than just the earth beaten down and then covered with reeds. 
Uh, the room was divided into two parts, not so much by a partition, but by a low platform. So two-thirds of the house would have been on ground level. The other third was slightly raised, and on the raised part would have been a charcoal stove that burned all night, and around it the whole family slept, not on beds like we have, but on mats, and they were large, families were large, so they would sleep together for warmth, and if anyone were to get up, so if you have anyone in your family that's the little bladder person, I mean, you know, they're bugging everybody all night long, and in the villages, it was custom to bring the livestock, so not only were the parents and the children in there, hens, you know, roosters, goats, they're all in there sleeping. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Because of your shameless audacity, he kept at it. He didn't let up. It's actually the point of verses 9 and 10 in Luke 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. By the way, the Greek meaning of those words is that we keep on seeking. It's not once we seek or knock. Uh, it's that we keep on seeking, keep on, uh, on knocking, and we keep on asking. Because it's God's desire that we don't just pray one and be finished. We persevere in recognizing we need him. And our perseverance shows us that. Do you see the word push on your notes? Do you see that on your notes? Uh, a friend of mine told me, when everything goes wrong, push. When the job gets you down, push. When God doesn't seem to be listening, you need to push. Push stands for pray until something happens. And it's not about bugging God until he adjusts to what we want. Again, on your notes, prayer calls us to be on God's timetable, not for him to adjust to ours. So the end of verse 8, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The neighbor was eventually granted his request. So if you would, in that parentheses at the end of that, would you write this word, journal? Maybe you've heard some folks talk about journaling, and you always wonder what that was. It sounded kind of weird. This is one of the ways journaling helps you grow in your faith. So in my prayer time, I have written several things down in a, a book that I keep. Uh, Bible verses that I'm praying, like Psalm 46.10, and if you were here several weeks ago, I spoke about that. I shared about that particular chapter and, and that very specific verse. But there are other verses that I pray during my prayer time and that I pray over our congregation as well. I also have pages for my family. I have pages for our staff here that I'm praying for them, for our elders and deacons, the men and women who help lead here. But part of what shows up on each page not only what I'm praying for, but you'll, if you look beside what I'm praying for, you're going to see a date. It's the day I started praying about that because I want to know how and when God answered my prayers. How long have I been praying for this, for that person? And what has God done in response? Has he done anything, it seems, at this point? And I keep praying, not giving up. For some of us here today, that may be your next step. It's just keep praying for what you've been praying for. George Muller, who is the founder of the New Orphan Houses in Bristol, England, was known more than anything else for his commitment to prayer. And so he wrote down, he said, the great point is to never give up until the answer comes. 
He wrote, I've been praying every day for 52 years for two men, friends uh, of a, uh, sons of a friend of my youth. They are not converted yet, but they will be. He wrote, the great fault of the children of God is that they do not continue in prayer. They do not persevere. If they, if they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. And I want to tell you, neither of those two men became Jesus followers before his death. But one of them became a Christian at his funeral service. And another one became a Christian a couple years later. I tell you that because our staff has a hit list of people that we're praying for. <laughs> for the same reason. And some of you in the room right now are on our list. Just because you haven't made this commitment of your life to Jesus through your baptism yet. And I'm not saying you don't come to church regularly. I'm not even saying you're not a good person. I'm not saying any of those things. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not why I'm praying for you either. I'm, I pray for you specifically because you told me you've not made that decision yet. So that puts you heavy on my heart because you need to make that decision. And so I pray that you will. I cannot emphasize this enough. Prayer keeps us close to God, just like talking keeps us close to each other. So if you can, your next step in your faith, and I don't think this is on your notes, would you write the date October 6th somewhere on your notes? October 6th, it's actually a month from today, right? There's five months in September, so it's five weeks from today. I'm going to be teaching a one-time class uh, where I will share with you what my prayer time at home looks like. And if you think that would be helpful to you to just kind of hear what someone's doing, I'm not saying this is the right way, the only way. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying this is what I do. It has changed over the years. So I can share with you what I'm doing right now. And, and maybe it will be helpful to you. So that may be your next step is a month from today, join me. It's going to be at both, during both hours. It'll be upstairs. Uh, so just join me for that. But your next step of faith, maybe it has to do with something. Maybe you don't take time on a day-to-day -day basis to confess your sins. This, listen, coming here once a week, this is not a confessional. Can I say that? You don't come here once a week to confess your sins for the week. You do that every day. Unburden yourself. Let it go. God wants to help you let it go. But maybe that's it for you. Maybe it's about talking to God about where you've gone wrong during the day and you want help with, with that. Or maybe it's about guidance. Maybe you've never thought to ask God. Maybe you didn't think he cared enough that you could ask him for help in knowing what to do. Maybe it's about solitude. You've never taken the time to just be by yourself with him. You try to do your quiet time when there's a hundred other things going on around you. I'm just saying you can do that, but you're not going to develop the friendship you want with him that way. Maybe it's about journaling. Maybe there's one or more of those that have not been part of your prayer time each day. Can I encourage you today? You've got the list. Choose one of them. Choose one to begin to put into practice today even before today is over. To spend time with him alone today. Listen, Donald Barnhouse, Barnhouse often closed his church services with this prayer. So I'm going to pray. Our band's going to come out because we're going to sing a song here in a minute. And then I'm going to share this prayer with you. Father, our time, and if I were 
that this time that we have together with you, we respect you so highly. We love you so much. We want so badly <laughs> to honor you with our worship. And there are those of us in this room who prayer has kind of been a mystery for us. And it's been kind of scary because we know we're talking to you and we know who you are. And sometimes it slips by us that what you want more than anything is just time with your kids, that you love us that much. And so, God, we pray, even now, just as we talk about it, that we will be encouraged. Father, I, I'm thankful for the prayers that your children here have lifted up on my behalf with what's been going on inside my eye and how you have worked to answer their prayers. And, and this, so, God, help us to communicate well with you and to love you well through our prayers and just to develop our friendship with you. We do love you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So Dar Donald Barnhouse, this is how he would conclude his services with his prayer. Lord, dismiss us now with your peace. Except those who don't know you. Keep them miserable until they come to know the Prince of Peace. So we're about to sing these words. We're going to sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I hope everyone in here sings. Unless you don't mean it. If your hope is built on something other than that, please don't sing those words, because then you'd be lying. And we don't want to do that. We want to be honest with God when we're worshiping Him. If nothing else, we just want to be honest with Him. But if those words are true of you, I hope you will sing them well this morning. And if while you're singing them, you come to the realization, I come every week, I sing these songs. I mean, th I mean this song and you've never given your life to him, if you've never done that, and by that I mean you've never sealed the deal with your commitment in the waters of baptism. We have someone who has come second hour who's going to do that. If you've never done that, while we're singing this song, I'm going to invite you to come down. I'm going to be right down here. Men and women will be coming down as we sing this song. In just a moment, when the song starts, they're going to come down too. They're going to be right up front with me. And if you'd like to, like to give your life to Christ, we want to help you with that. If you would like to have someone pray for you or pray with you this morning, if you've come carrying something in today and you just really wish somebody would, would help you by praying for you or with you, we will have men and women down front as we sing this song. So I'm going to invite you to stand. Why don't we stand together? If that's your next step, if it's about giving your life to Christ, if it is about having someone pray for or with you, as we sing this song, please come.